Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to News from the Torah. This is Leah Aroni. Today is the fourth day of the Hebrew month of Elul, August 31st, 2022. And this week we're reading the Torah portion of Shoftim, that is all about judgment and laws of the Torah. And in this episode of News from the Torah, I would love to talk about the Hebrew month of Elul that started just this Sunday. Elul is the last month of the year. It's the month when we bring together the accomplishments, the lessons of this year, when we dedicate time to introspection, to checking ourselves, to seeing what we have accomplished this year, how far we have gone, what have we done right, what did we do wrong, what are the things we need to fix in ourselves as preparation for the coming year. It's the time when each person sits down and does their inventory, checks the internal inventory, just like in any business, in any store at the end of the year, you sit down and you check the inventory, you check your books, you check how much money you've made or how much money you've lost and what have been the results of this year. So Elul is an entire month of self-introspection, self-investigation, creating the results, checking the results of the year, what are we up to before we can go on into the coming year. And Jewish lore says that even the non-Jews in Europe would know when Elul is because there was something about the way the Jews acted, this dread, this um, weight of of yearly consequences that was on them. And every, uh, even non-Jews could see that there was something different about the Jews and Elul because they were just so full of fear of God as they were looking and introspecting at the results of the year. And there is a lore that even the fish in the sea um, shake and dread Elul because, you know, it's the time basically when you get your yearly score before we enter Rosh Hashanah, before we enter the day of judgment, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, before we come before God, for God to decide, okay, what's next? What's happening with us for next year? So Elul is this time of like annual review. Everybody checks themselves and God checks you before you come before God, before you come for the boss. And the boss says, you know, you did great or you didn't do so well or shape up or, you know, we've had enough of you and we're getting rid of you because you're not worth the payroll. So this is the concept of Elul, a way it has been seen for generations. But there is another side to Elul, which I think is closer to our generation because the first concept really creates a lot of fear, a lot of negativity. People have this feeling of like, I want just to get through these times. And I used in the past to actually feel this way. In the past, I used to feel that I just want Elul and Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur to be over. I want to get over through this time and get to the other side to Sukkot when it's happy and fun and everything's great. But 
I don't dread Elul anymore. And this other side of Elul is brought down in Hasidic lore as a parable of a king in the field. Every year, the king who lives in the palace decides to check what's going on with his country people to see how they're doing, to hear their voices, to hear what they want and what they need to come closer to them. So every year the king goes out into the fields where the simple people are. He spends time, an entire month with the simple people. The king is in the field. The king is approachable. He's close. You can come up and talk to him. You can ask him questions. You can make requests. He's really here to be seen, to be heard, to be touched to be experienced, to have a dialogue with. And this time of Elul is when the king is in the field, when he's approachable and close. So in a similar vein, during this month of Elul, before Rosh Hashanah, before we crown Hashem as the king of the world, Hashem, so to speak, comes down into the world. Of course, Hashem is always in the world, but this is a time when we have more of a perception of God. We have more of a radar. We have finer antennas. You know, we get better reception, so to speak. So the king is in the field. The king is more approachable. God is more approachable. We can see him and feel him and approach him and have a conversation with him and ask. It's a special month, all dedicated to strengthening our relationship with God. And of course, that really requires two sides. Every relationship is two-sided. Every relationship is a two-way street. So these two approaches to Elul are actually complementary. On the one hand, God is more approachable. God is more listening. God is more receptive. He's in the field, how to speak. He's here with us. And like I said, he's always here with us. But right now, we can sort of appreciate him more. We can feel him more, just like a good king. A good king always cares about his country people. He always wants to know what's happening with them. He is always receptive and open and approachable. A good leader is like that. But the special times when a leader comes down to be with his people in a more concrete, conquest, aware way, and this is this month of Elo, where God sort of brings himself closer to us to be more present in our lives. But on the other hand, we have to examine the strength and the quality of the relationship. So if God comes down to be more with us, we have to use this time to check, are we really up to par? Are we really living a life that's all about our relationship with God? Because this is what God wants. God wants us to find him in this world, to live a life of a relationship with God. The Hebrew word for world, olam, is the same root as the word for ne'elam, hidden. And in Hebrew, as you know, and as we've mentioned many, many times in this show, when words share a root, it means they share meaning. So ne'elam is hidden, and olam is world. The two letters words share the same root, and that means that they're related to each other. And our sages explain that the world is really a hiding place for God. God hides himself 
in this world. There's a beautiful story about a Hasidic master, the Rabbi of Kotsk. And the Rabbi of Kotsk was walking through the street one day and saw a small boy crying. So he came over to the child and said, my boy, why are you crying? What happened? So he said, I was playing hide and seek with my friends and I hid and they didn't come to find me. And I've been waiting here for such a long time and nobody's looking for me. And I'm very upset. And the Kotzkarebi hugged the boy and he calmed him down and he probably gave him a coin or a candy and he sent him off. But then he turned to God and said, God, this is probably exactly how you feel. God, you hide yourself in the world and you hid yourself so well that people forget to look for you. They forget that you are here. They don't spend their life looking for godliness and everything. They go around just living their regular life, living the external materialism of this world. So the whole purpose of this world is actually to live in a relationship with God. And because the world is so enticing and it's such a good cover-up, sometimes we just forget that this is actually the purpose of the world. So Elul is a time at the end of a year period and Judaism has time that goes in cycles and every year is a cycle. So at the end of this annual cycle, it's a time to stop and say, wait, where am I? What's happening with me? Am I living the life I really want to live? Am I living the life I'm really meant to live? Is this the best, most meaningful, most purpose-driven, best quality, most authentic life I could be living? Or am I coming up short? And if yes, how do I change it? So that was the next year, I can do a better job. Is my life really focused on having a relationship with God? Because if God is coming into the field to be with me, am I also in the field? Am I also out there in the arena playing the real game of life? Or am I hiding? Am I afraid? Am I living in my comfort zone? Am I doing the best I can? This is the time to ask this question because life is so fast-paced and we're all so busy. And if we don't create time to ask these questions, we never will. And this is why during the month of Elul, certain Jewish communities have a custom to blow the shofar, to blow a ram's horn. It's like an alarm clock. Every day you start off with an alarm clock. Every day you start off with the siren that says, hey, notice this is the time for introspection. This is the time to check what you're up to. So here is my question to you. When you hear me talk about this, how do you feel? Do you feel amazing? and looking forward to this opportunity and you feel empowered and you feel like, oh wow, I have an opportunity to look at myself to make sure my life is better and improve it? Or are you feeling dread, anger, depression, negativity, fear, I'm not good enough? See, for many, many years, I felt the latter. I felt all the negativity was Elula. felt how scary it is and, you know, judgment and introspection and I'm not good enough and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. And 
I realized recently that I don't feel like that anymore. And what I understood is that if we come to a law with negative self-image, if we always see ourselves as never good enough, we are certain that God is also going to find us lacking. And this creates fear. It creates a sense of, I don't want to be in this situation. I don't want to be at this time. I want to step back and just let it pass, and then I'll be okay. But in the recent years, I've found that I actually don't feel that way anymore. I feel, wow, it's Elul. It's amazing. It's, it's an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity to take stock of my life. Like, what's happening with me? Did I reach my goals? I know what my goals were. I actually wrote them down at the beginning of the year. I have some goals. There are certain things I wanted to accomplish. And I can check, okay, I accomplished this. Amazing. I accomplished this. Amazing. I accomplished this. Amazing. But I did not accomplish this, this, and this. Why is that? Was this an authentic goal for me? Maybe it wasn't, or maybe I didn't try hard enough, and I will try harder this year, or maybe this is just not an appropriate goal. Let's see, like, what's happening? And if you live in this kind of aware way, then your life creates meaning. It will grow. You become a different person from here to here, and you can actually create growth. So this is a question to you. If you feel negativity, then it's not about God being angry at you or judgmental or looking down at you. If you feel negativity, it's because you're not giving yourself enough love, enough positivity, enough warmth. God loves you. God loves you exactly as you are. Of course, you're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But your imperfection stems from the fact that you're a human being and God created you imperfect so that you can grow and have part in making yourself better and making this world better. And this actually connects to a teaching on this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is called Shoftim, which is so appropriately means judges. This whole Torah portion is about judgment and laws and courts. And of course, in a little what we do is, is we sit in self-judgment, but not in a bad way, in a good way, in an appraisal kind of way, in understanding of, okay, what is my performance up to? What is my relationship up to? Like, how am I doing? So, so appropriately, this beginning of the month of Elo comes out to the Tur portion of Shoftim. So the first sentence of this Torah portion is, You have to judge this nation fairly. And the Degel Machadei Ephraim, the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, writes that this is um, a hint. A hint is something that is taught in the Talmud, that every judge who judges true and faithful judgment becomes partner with God in the creation of the world. Okay, if you judge impartially and correctly and truthfully, you become partner with God in the creation of the world. And he says that the Hebrew word shaftu, judge, that appears here, has the same numerical value as the letters from Aleph, the first letter of the word, of the alphabet, to Taf, which is the last um, letter of the alphabet. They have the same 
numerical meaning, which means they have a connection. So it says Aleph to Taf are all the letters of the alphabet, and the world is created with thought, with speech, with letters. So if you judge favorably, it's as if you are creating the world. Now think about this. We're not judges, right? None of it. Most of us are not judges. I don't know who listens to the show. Maybe there's some judges here, but I know I'm not a judge. But really, you are. First of all, you judge every single second of your life. You evaluate reality every single second of your life. You open your eyes, and for some people, the first thought of the morning is, did I get enough sleep? Okay, that's a judgmental question. That's an evaluation. Was this night good enough? Was there enough sleep here? And you wake up your eyes and you're like, oh, the sun is too bright. Okay, that's judgmental. And then you wake up and you think, okay, what do I have on my to-do list? Will I be able to do this? Is this going to be too good, too bad? Is this going to work? Yes, no. And you judge, and then you run into your kid, your spouse, your friend, your cousin, whoever it is that you are running into, you know, whoever it is that lives in your in your household, and you have a relationship with that person. And in that relationship, you probably make evaluations of their performance, of how they are. And then you evaluate yourself. Basically, we go through life judging all the time. So in this Torah portion, God tells us you have to judge fairly. You have to judge, you have to evaluate in a way that makes sense. And sometimes, ironically, the people who are the most judgmental, who don't give anybody else the time of day, who find fault with everything and everybody, are the people who do the same to themselves. The way we treat ourselves is the way we treat the rest of the world. And the people who are most judgmental to the world around themselves are usually also the most judgmental of themselves. And if they don't find themselves to be enough, they usually will not find the world to be enough. So you have to judge the world fairly, truly, in a way that's true, in a way that's tzedek. And tzedek, which means true judgment, is just one letter away from tzedakah, which means charity. You have to treat judge the world with charity. You have to judge yourself charitably. It doesn't mean covering up things that are not okay. It doesn't mean uh, dismissing bad behavior. It doesn't mean giving people a pass for bad behavior or giving yourself a pass for bad behavior or covering up the things that are not doing okay. You know in your stomach, in your heart of hearts, when it's okay and when it's not okay, when it comes to yourself and to other people. But you have to develop this positive, good eye to the world. And if you develop a good and positive eye to the world, you will also, at the same time, develop a good and positive eye to yourself. And when you do that, you become partner with God in creation because God gave us this amazing ability to, to evaluate and judge. You know, the biggest sin of our generation is thou shalt not judge. Who are you to judge? Uh, it's built into our neurology. We spend our whole life judging and evaluating. That's a gift that God gave us to be able to fix things that need to be fixed. And this is why we're here. 
Uh, we're not perfect and the world is not perfect. This is by design. God created us imperfect and the world imperfect. And then he gave us this ability to judge, to evaluate so that we can find the imperfection and fix it. If you don't find the imperfection, if everything is great and everything is as it should be, and if we take, like we do in this generation, people's shortcomings and we turn them into the advantages and we call them all kinds of names you know, and we celebrate them, we take pride in issues that people have, which is what happens today, instead of saying, okay, there's an issue here. I mean, you know, you didn't choose this issue and let's normalize it. It's okay. And you're not at fault and you're not to at blame, but let's see how we can help you and support you to take care of the issue and to make it maybe be um, fixed or or be healed. But instead, no, now we are um, turning every kind of issue into something holy, into the way it should be. And God forbid that you should think that there's anything wrong with me. But this is not how God created the world. God gave every single one of us an imperfection. And the world of imperfection, and he gave us the ability to find these imperfections, to see how we can fix them. So God tells us, judge the world, fairly judge the world, but fairly not with an eye of negativity, but with an eye of positivity. How can I make this better? How can I heal this? How can I bring more good? Oh, here's an issue. Oh, here's an imperfection. Okay, how can I give charity to it? How can I be charitable and beneficial and now fill it up so this lack is filled up? Because this is what charity is. You see somebody who has lack, you see a poor person, and you give them money to fill in their lack. The same thing here. When you judge, you have to charge with tzedek fairly, but also with charity. You judge in order to fix, in order to fill in this lack. And then you become partner with God in the creation of the world. So this is the Jewish outlook on this Hebrew month of Elul. It's an entire month during which we can review our annual performance, our annual behavior. We can see what went right, what we did well, where we succeeded, where we achieved, but also what needs fixing. And not because we're bad, and not because we're to blame, and not because we hate ourselves, but no, we're perfect. That's how it is. We accept that. And now let's see how we can fix that and make it better. And we do this in order to go into the next year with Rosh Hashanah to do a better job next year, because Rosh Hashanah is an entirely new opportunity. The book of the Tanya says that on the night before Rosh Hashanah, it's like your disk death gets reformatted. Your understandings, awareness, thinking, mentality, what you can, what you cannot, it all gets erased. It's all irrelevant. Whatever was, was. Whatever happened, happened. It's all reformatted. And then in Rosh Hashanah, you get a new entire annual download. Everything you need to know, understand, be able to do, capacity, a whole new download of Rosh Hashanah with the prayers and the shofar blows 
so that in the coming year you can unpack this amazing download, unpack this amazing potential, and make it happen. So we basically see, okay, how far did I go on last year's download? What did I get? What did I not get? What can I still do? What can I still accomplish in the next three and a half weeks before Shoshana? So we can get the best and most out of this year. And then whatever was, was, it's a whole new download, a whole new opportunity, a whole new year of potential and things that you can do in this coming year. But it all starts with Rosh Hashanah when we crown God as the king of the world because that's the purpose. The purpose of the download is to express and live and connect to the rule of God, the kingship of God in the world. It's like you come, you get your uh, job, you get your assignment, and with the assignment you get a box of all the materials and resources that you need. So this is really Rosh Hashanah. Um, remember, God is the king of the world. We recognize this. We're aware of this. We're going to spend the next year expressing our complete belief in the fact that God runs the world and God runs the show. And he's here with us and designing and orchestrating every single second of our life. And we're going to be aware of that. And now... With this job, with this task, we get this download of all the tools we need in the coming year to live this awareness to our best reality. So this is going to be Rosh Hashanah. So in some places, I know that you actually need to plan in advance to get a seat in the synagogue for Rosh Hashanah, to have a place to pray for Rosh Hashanah. Some places need to buy tickets or reserve seats. So plan in advance. Even if you did not plan to go to the synagogue on Rosh Hashanah and you haven't done it in the past years, maybe this year you should and can go to the synagogue to experience this download, to go with the sense of I'm coming to get my potential, to get everything I need for an amazing year going forward. And if you meditate on this during the prayers and the show for blasts, the prayers will go faster and you'll find more meaning in them, especially if you have a prayer book that is translated. And in the coming weeks, we'll talk a little bit more about Rosh Hashanah prayers so that you can find more meaning in them. Personally, I don't find them to be taking so much time because if you understand the structure and what's happening, then uh, it all makes sense and you see the progress and you see the point. But if you sort of don't understand what's going on with all these prayers, it's just a lot of words, then it's truly a difficult experience. But if you need to go to the synagogue, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to help you. Please, God, to better understand the Rosh Hashanah prayers in the coming shows before the holiday. But you should do your part. Go find your local synagogue. And make sure that you have seats for the Rosh Hashanah services, for the blowing of the shofar. It's a really special experience that you can meditate on and and have this year. Um, and I know that in some places, Rosh Hashanah takes expensive, and in some places, you actually don't have them. So reach out to your local Chabad house. There's probably a Chabad house somewhere near you, and they will have you over for free. You don't have to buy tickets, but you probably do need to make reservations so that they know to uh, have seating for you. So 
I suggest, this is your homework for the coming week, figure out where you are on Rosh Hashanah, make sure that you have seats, make sure that maybe you can have friends. It's a two-day holiday. Maybe if you have friends or relatives um, or neighbors that have not experienced Rosh Hashanah or that don't have a place to be, maybe you can invite them over for the holiday so that everybody experiences this beautiful, amazing, fresh start for the year. Everybody gets their quote-unquote download of potential and material and resources in the most mindful and aware kind of way. So this will be a big mitzvah because God sees, I understand that this person wants to have an amazing year, but they don't only care about themselves, they also care about other people. They want everybody to experience God. They want everybody to experience God's kingship. And this is what God wants. God wants us to work as a team and the best thing a team member can do is support another team member. So this is a humongous schut, merit for you, if you can help other people experience Rosh Hashanah in the best way possible. So this is the content of our episode today. We spoke about Elul, the meaning of Elul, the two-way street of the relationship, the fact that the king is out in the field, really approachable, go out and talk to God. You don't need anything. Just go out into nature, into your park, into the street, into your backyard, out on a roof, out on a porch, somewhere that you can be out, or maybe just even in a room, and just talk to God. He's here. He's in the field. He's among us. He's mingling. He's here to hear us. And we talked about Rosh Hashanah, the amazing, amazing download of potential we're going to get for this coming year and ensuring that you have a place for high holidays, your place to pray and hear the shofar, please God. It was such an amazing experience being with you for this episode. I love talking to you. I feel your energy from the other side of the internet, the radio. So this was Leia Roni with news from the Torah, and I will see you again next week as we march forward to the coming year to Rosh Hashanah to crowning God as the King of the world. Love you. Bless you. Have an amazing week. Bye-bye. can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. 
Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Doris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 